So, Greg Wyshynski, where do you want to start this thing off today? I don't know, Pablo. Have you seen the Seattle Kraken's new mascot? His name is Bowie. <laughs> I hope everybody is. The mascot has been revealed. It's Bowie, Seattle's sea troll who lives in the caverns of Climate Pledge Arena. My goodness. I have him now on Google Images, and I have not just questions, I have objections. What, what the <laughs> hell is going on here? This is not what I was promised. Not promised in the sense that he is not, in fact, a sea creature, but a land-dwelling troll? Is that why you've been promised it? Yeah, I was told there would be a release of a kraken, and I don't know, can we just, can we explain, can you describe what we're looking at here? Because it is, it is grotesque. Yeah, it's a six-foot-tall furry blue troll with an anchor hoop earring dangling from the left side and a blue tentacle hanging from the right side, which they said is to let fans know that Bowie had, quote, an encounter with a kraken. So you don't actually get a kraken mascot. You get a troll who messed around with a kraken at some point. Wait, hold on. What kind of encounter are we talking about here? Well, it is a troll, Pablo, so I imagine maybe uh, he negged a kraken or he <laughs> put out an embarrassing meme about the kraken. But, you know, our own Ryan Clark reported the story and said that hundreds of ideas and names were submitted in the kraken's quest for a mascot, and it all came down to Bowie. It's inspired by the Fremont troll, an iconic Seattle sculpture, and that's why they went sure. with a troll instead of a sea creature. I also feel like it's one of those things where you're going to have to say, no, they're, they're not saying boo. They're saying <laughs> booey. <laughs> the, the thing is, is they didn't want a Kraken Why? mascot. Why? The whole point was the Kraken mascot. But the, their argument is that nobody knows what a Kraken looks like. And listen, I've seen Clash of the Titans, both versions. I've seen uh -huh. Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Man's Chest. Same. I know what a Kraken looks like. We all know what a Kraken looks like. But here's the thing. The biggest sin for Bowie is that it's just too generic. It's a mascot being produced in a post-gritty world. Yes, a world that already knows the googly-eyed, unblinking monster that has allegedly become endearing for the Flyers. And the bar was clearly set way too high by that orange freak, Pablo. And the thing is right now, the two most famous things about the NHL are the Stanley Cup and Gritty. How is Bowie supposed to compete with that? Apparently with like Barry Melrose's hair. That's like <laughs> the only thing that feels hockey about this, honestly, is, is the main. Well, the main, but also like I have to give them credit. It's, it's the first mascot I can remember that refuses to manscape. Have you seen the hair in this guy's <laughs> ears? It's wild. <laughs> Yeah, it feels like the giant squid we were promised is beginning to climb out of the ear hole, which is not <laughs> satisfying. There is a lot happening in sports right now. The baseball playoffs are traumatizing Met fans. The NBA preseason is somehow an even bigger soap opera than usual. And yes, college football and the NFL just continue to dominate every single weekend in America. But today, we prepare you for the latest addition to October's cornucopia of content. We sound the goal horn of plenty with Greg Wyshynski, who tells us what we need to know about the National Hockey League right as the curtain rises and pucks drop on the season tonight. 
I'm Pablo Torre. It's Tuesday, October 11th. This is ESPN Daily. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. So the current custodians of the Stanley Cup are the Colorado Avalanche, Greg. If you know anything about hockey, as a lapsed fan, I hope you do remember that basic fact. This was a win that was super long-awaited, that was years in the making, that seemed impossible at points. But they won this thing. And so I just want to start with the most basic question. Are they going to repeat here? Are they going to make another run and win it all again? It's possibly a repeat. They've got some questions to answer, but the backbone of this team is still there. Nathan McKinnon, their superstar player, he just inked an eight-year contract extension that's worth $12.6 million annually, making it the richest contract against the salary cap in NHL history. They've locked up star defenseman Kale McCarr for a long time. They've still got a lot of the players that made up the depth of this team. They're in very good shape. Now the bad news. They had some significant roster changes. They lost experienced players like Nazem Kadri and Andre Barakowski at forward and goaltender Darcy Kemper. Now, I think they've got the depth to replace Barakowski on the wing and young Alex Newhook can replace Kadri's scoring, but not necessarily his intangibles. The real question is, what is this goaltender going to look like? They had Pavel Francouz back. Uh, he was Kemper's backup and they traded for New York Rangers backup Alexander Georgiev. They're going to split time. They basically want to see if they can make Georgiev kind of like uh, Philip Grubauer was for them a couple of years ago, get a backup from somebody else, make them into a starter. And they're pretty optimistic. They told me that they're going to be able to work out this goaltending tandem to great success. So Frankie versus Georgiev, two of the great names in the sport battling for time. Indeed. Uh, I am much like Columbia in Rocky Horror Picture Show, a regular Frankie fan. Uh, he won six <laughs> of seven playoff appearances during the Avs run to the Stanley Cup. I think he's a goalie that's always seemed like he needed his shot. Sometimes health has been a consideration. Georgiev's going to be interesting. He was the goalie with the Rangers, obviously lost his, his gig to Igor Chichurkin, the Vezina Trophy winner. And a lot of people had said, if you get him out of New York and put him in the situation, he's going to thrive. But again, this is a huge pressure deal. This is a team that clearly has designs on winning back-to-back -back cups, much like the Lightning did, much right. like the Penguins did. And now he's going to have to, in the words of GM Chris McFarland, as he told me, carry the ball a little bit himself. But you mentioned the Lightning. I mean, the Lightning, look, there's a whole larger story here, Greg, that we need to address up top here because this is a team that has won two Stanley Cups in the last five seasons. They have made the playoffs all five of those years, but the story that we need to get to is the fact that Ian Cole, their defenseman, has been suspended, right? There was this investigation into allegations that were made on social media that he sexually abused a woman when she was a minor. And so what do we know about this situation beyond the hockey analysis side of it? Ian Cole was signed in the summer as a free agent by the Lightning. He was expected to be in their starting lineup when the season opens against the Rangers. Uh, but he was suspended over the weekend when a, an anonymous Twitter user put out a statement 
that said that Cole groomed her for four years, quote, starting when I was a minor in high school and noted that Cole was, quote, well aware of my age at the time of the alleged sexual abuse. The Twitter post didn't specify when or where this alleged encounter happened. The Lightning subsequently released a statement saying that they had suspended Ian Cole, quote, pending the results of an investigation. They didn't specify if that was a police investigation, an NHL investigation, their own investigation. Mm. And then Cole put out a statement through his agent later that night saying, I completely deny these allegations and will fully cooperate with the NHL and the Tampa Bay Lightning, their officials, legal departments in the forthcoming investigation. I look forward to clearing my name and demonstrating to the NHL and the Tampa Bay Lightning that these allegations are unfounded. So suspended for now as this investigation plays out, but obviously a, a bit of a bombshell in the NHL over the weekend. So as the Lightning try and figure out a serious story and Ian Cole is held out of the lineup as they face the Rangers to open the season, as you just said, I do want to stick around in the Eastern Conference because the thing that's happening in Pittsburgh right now with a group of players, a group of veterans that I do recognize here, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, and Chris Letang, who have been with this team forever, who won the cup together in 2017, I do find all of that intriguing, right? I mean, this team has been eliminated in the first round of each of these last four postseasons. And so the window that they have right now for championship contention, are they actual contenders still? Yeah, and the band is back together. There was some thought that they were going to blow up the roster based on the fact that they haven't had any success in the playoffs in the last few seasons. But they re-signed Evgeny Malkin, they re-signed Chris Letang, they bought back Brian Rust. I asked Sidney Crosby uh, if he was nervous this summer about the band potentially not coming back together. And he said, ah, you know, just, uh, you know, I'm happy, relieved. And then immediately <laughs> thinking, okay, uh, we've got an opportunity. These guys are staying and now we've got to do something with it. That's uh, so a disturbingly good Crosby. Thank yeah. you very much. So Sid is happy. He's happy the band is back together. And if you That's talk, happy. That's happy. That's as happy as we're getting from Crosby. The, the thing about the Penguins that's interesting is this. They are convinced, and this was the selling point to ownership to bring back these veteran players, that the last two postseasons were kind of, they were a victim of circumstances. Their goalie, Tristan Jari, played horribly against the Islanders in the first round. That's why they lost that series. Last year, if you remember, Pablo, they had that situation where they were down to their third string goalie. Crosby gets hurt during the series against the Rangers. They lose in seven games. So their proof of concept is we had some weird stuff happen to us in the playoffs with this group together. Bring the group back. Maybe things go differently for us this time. And, you know, their window of opportunity is probably there for the next couple of seasons. They have a, a great coach in Mike Sullivan. They've got a pretty deep roster. I expect them to make the playoffs again, but it is very rare in not only hockey, but professional sports, to see a team run back a bunch of 35-plus stars after not having had success in the playoffs for the last four seasons. Yeah, and so I turn now to Alexander Ovechkin, as we often do when you mention the name Sidney Crosby, because what's happening with him in Washington, Greg, it's also interesting, right? This team won the Cup in 2018. That was the year after the Penguins did it. But ever since, there has been something of like this downward spiral, right? I mean, so how likely is it actually that we might get a playoffs, that we might get a postseason without Ovechkin, who himself is, yeah, 37 and without the Caps possibly? Well, I have the Caps missing. It might be by a couple points, but I'm a little bit suspicious of the aging curve for them. Father time is undefeated, as they say, Pablo. And you look at TJ Oshie, he's 36. He posted his worst offensive numbers in seven seasons. Nick Backstrom's 35. He's going to start the season on injured reserve after a major hip surgery. They're not sure when he's back. John Carlson, Lars Eller, both 33. 
And like you said, Ovechkin is 37, but Russian machine never break. Uh, remember, he's That's still right. chasing Wayne Gretzky's NHL mark of 894 goals. Ovechkin sits third all time with 780, has a chance to pass Gordy Howe this season at 801. So his mm. record chase will at least be a reason to keep watching the Capitals no matter what happens in the standings. The reason to believe if you're a Caps fan is this. They posted an 898 team save percentage, the lowest for any playoff team last season for their goaltending. They went out and signed Darcy Kemper from the Colorado Avalanche to a five-year contract. If he is the solution to their goaltending woes and their older players can still produce at reasonable levels, they may still be able to make the playoffs, but I have them out on the outside looking in. So if they remain on the outside looking in and they miss the Eastern Conference playoffs entirely, who's the team that didn't make those playoffs last season that you think could be in this one? It's the Devils. The Devils. <laughs> Speaking of references that people under 37 probably won't get, thank you. Thank you for making that. Shout out to my New York-born uh, Gen Xers. Listen, three things have to happen for the New Jersey Devils to make the playoffs. They need to get some saves. For two consecutive off-seasons, they've tried to improve their goaltending, and in two consecutive off-seasons, it did not work. Now they went out and they acquired Capitals goalie Vitek Vanacek to pair with Mackenzie Blackwood. If those two can stay healthy and improve the goaltending, that's a good thing for the Devils. There's the health aspect. Dougie Hamilton, Jack Hughes, impact players. They were both banged up last season. Jack Hughes was limited to 49 games last year. If both those guys are healthy, play at least 70 games, I think that's going to help them. Finally, their power play stunk last year, Pablo. And if they can improve that with their new associate coach, Andrew Brunette, then I think they're going to be in good shape. It is a lot to ask. You need a lot of dominoes to fall in the right direction, but the Devils are hugely talented, got even better in the offseason with the acquisition of Tampa Bay's Andre Palat and Pittsburgh's John Marino, and I think it could be finally their time to make the leap if those things go in the right direction. But your personal New Jersey bias aside, which has been well chronicled, of course, on this podcast, Greg, it does feel like there is a recurring theme here, which is simply that all of these questions, you're giving me answers that hinge on goaltending. Is it something that you expected heading into this particular season? Well, it's, it's, it's the thing about hockey that is the greatest thing and the most maddening thing. The most maddening thing is that you could put together the single greatest team you possibly can at forward and defense. But if you don't have a goalie that can make a save, it subverts the whole thing. And that's kind of what's happened to the Devils in the last couple of seasons. Not saying that they have the best team of all time, but they've got a really good team, but their goaltending subverted them. Same thing happened to the Seattle Kraken last year. The best thing about hockey is that goaltending is the great equalizer, especially when it comes to the playoffs. And you could be a team that doesn't seem like it's got a chance to win the Stanley Cup, and all of a sudden you're playing for it if you got yourself a hot goalie. Yeah, a hot goalie sounds like sort of a pork roll-style sandwich that you would get in Jersey, incidentally. Pablo, it's Taylor Ham for the last time. <laughs> but before we get into um, a pig civil war on this podcast, Greg, there are other borders we need to draw across the Western Conference, and we'll get into that after we roll into this break. Delicious meat, nutritious. In the snack that packs a real protein punch, wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Trust me, I've been eating them like there's no tomorrow all week. 
Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with your family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you, like me, are on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries, whatever it may be. Well, the good news is not only are Wonderful Pistachios a complete protein providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snack game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Vivid Seats wants to get you to the games you love this spring. Experience every pitch, assist, and game-winning shot live and in person. And the best part? Each transaction is a step toward a free 11th ticket with Vivid Seats rewards. Score unbeatable perks like free tickets, surprise seat upgrades, and annual birthday deals. As the official ticketing partner of ESPN, Vivid Seats is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code DAILY. That's code DAILY. Visit VividSeats.com or download the app today. Vivid Seats. Experience it live. So, Greg, we were throwing some water on the Avalanche's repeat chances at the top of the show. And so the logical question now is simply, who do you think is going to challenge Colorado in the West? Well, there's two teams I'd like to focus on, the Calgary Flames and the Edmonton Oilers. Now, the Flames had the most volatile summer of any NHL team. Follow the bouncing puck for a moment, if you will. I'll try. Star winger Johnny Goudreau announced he wouldn't sign another contract in Calgary and then shocked the NHL by signing a seven-year free agent deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets, which was very random. His line mate, star forward Matthew Kachuk, announced he also wasn't going to sign an extension in Calgary. So GM Brad Living, in an act of desperation to avoid a rebuild, traded Kachuk to the Florida Panthers for their star winger, Jonathan Huberdeau, and defenseman Mackenzie Wieger. To replace Kachuk's antagonism in offense, Living then went out and threw a bunch of money at Nazem Kadri of the Avalanche as a free agent. And so the Flames may actually be better now than they were last season, despite their two-star players deciding they didn't want to be there anymore. In Edmonton, boy, they had a real fun playoff, didn't they? A lot of fireworks yes. in the matchup against the Avs and, and against the, the Flames. In front, McDavid, wait, shot, score! Connor McDavid has arrived, and he makes it 3-1. to one. So many goals. So many goals. McDavid, Dreisaitl, Dreisaitl scores! Leon Dreisaitl makes it 6-5. Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, the NHL's dynamic duo, a uh, Mario and Yager or modern day Crosby Malkin, like uh, uh, two players that can put their team on their back and carry it through a couple rounds of the playoffs. They're going to be right back in the mix, I think, with a very deep forward group behind those two. And they finally replaced the roller coaster goaltending of Mike Smith with former Leafs goalie Jack Campbell who is, if we're being fair, also a bit of a roller coaster, maybe like a smaller one with fewer loops, but a roller coaster nonetheless. <laughs> like a wooden sort of roller coaster where like you're pretty sure you're going to survive, but it feels real dicey there for a moment. Exactly. The rickety kind of hurts your hips coaster versus the one where you're worried about losing your lunch. Yes, you'll get bruised, but you'll be fine. Right. So I'm wondering who else in the West is going to make their own sort of loop-de-loop into the postseason now? Because there are a bunch of teams that I'm curious about that were not in it, but it sounds like there's an opening now. 
Yeah, so were it not for season-ending injuries to a number of key players, I think the Vegas Golden Knights would have been in the playoffs last year. And so I expect them to re-enter the postseason fray. The biggest key for them is going to be in goal. I know, stop me if you heard this before. <laughs> Robin Leonard, their starting goaltender, had a season-ending injury and surgery in the offseason that has a lot of people writing off the Knights. They're going to have rookie Logan Thompson, uh, goalie Laurent Brassat when he comes back from injury, and Aiden Hill to kind of fill in the gap left by Laner. And it's going to be tough. I mean, it could be the thing that costs them a playoff spot, but they're just so good everywhere else. Mark Stone's healthy. Riley Smith is back. Jack Eichel gets his first full season in Vegas, potentially playing with Phil Kessel, who, by the way, Pablo, has a chance to break the all-time NHL record for most consecutive games played early on in this season. They're still a team that's absolutely loaded. And the thing that has me encouraged is that they bought in Bruce Cassidy from the Boston Bruins as their new head coach. And I think there's a lot of stuff behind the scenes in that locker room within that organization where they kind of need somebody with a new voice that can sort of find some cohesion behind the scenes. And Cassidy's the right guy for that job. Wait, wait, wait. I'm now very curious about what kind of stuff you're euphemistically kind of referring to there. <laughs> what kind of stuff do you think is actually happening in Vegas? Well, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, Pablo. But I can say this. This was a team with a very distinct personality over the years. And gradually over time, they lost that personality. They were the golden misfits. It was us against the world. Right. And then over time, a lot of those guys were shipped out so they could bring in big name star players like Eichel, like Alex Petrangelo from the St. Louis Blues. And over time, I think the personality of this team changed a little bit. Bruce Cassidy is a player's coach. I feel like he's going to be able to maybe find the thread again to bring some cohesion to that locker room and also maybe position this team as the new us against them. I mean, there's this whole situation where some of these guys in the preseason have been talking about, hey, they don't think we have the goaltending to make the playoffs. They think that we're not going to be able to make the postseason. And so they might have that chip back on their shoulder heading into this year. So I want to take the mentality of an aspirational hockey hipster, Greg. <laughs> Help me sound smart when I talk to my hockey friends who are actually smart about a team that maybe I should be invested in to sort of sound like I know what I'm doing here. So you want someone you think could potentially win the cup that you're like, I stand this team? Yeah, I want to be a stan, but based in logic somehow. I want to <laughs> help, help me simp better, Greg. That's what I'm actually asking for here. All right, let me give you one. How about the Carolina Hurricanes? Now, the Carolina Hurricanes have been a team that's been bubbling under the surface for several years. They've not really been able to get over the hump in the playoffs after some outstanding regular seasons under coach Rod Brindamore. And so what they did in the offseason is very interesting. They went out and they traded for Max Pacioretty from the Vegas Golden Knights, basically for a bag of pucks. The Knights had to give them away for salary cap considerations. And Patchy Reddy is the kind of player that can score that goal in the playoffs that the Hurricanes have not been getting. They also went out and acquired scraggly bearded defenseman Brent Burns from the San Jose Sharks, and he fits in perfectly there. Loves to shoot the puck. He's going to be the offensive defenseman they need to really level up their power play too. So those two veteran acquisitions, I think, are two things that could potentially push the Hurricanes over the top into a Stanley Cup final. And again, if you want to be a hipster and stand a team, stand the Hurricanes because they're the analytics darlings. And everyone knows that the sports nerds love a good analytics-driven team. 
So I'm Google imaging Rod Brindamore here. That's the other theme of this show, me Google imaging hockey things that I've never really appreciated until just now. And I feel like that guy might punch me in the face if I called him a hipster. <laughs> Rod Brindamore is the kind of coach that wants to win the Stanley Cup to see how many reps he can do benching it. Uh... <laughs> but speaking of doing the heavy lifting, Greg, I want you to give me a couple of things to look out for here. Like even beyond just like, oh, this team is a favorite to win this thing or, or this is a, a secret darling that might make a run. Give me the fun stories that you think that I should be looking out for just as somebody who wants to get into this sport even more. So one of the things I'm really excited about is to see what Anaheim Ducks forward Trevor Zegers does for an encore. If you remember last year as a rookie, mm. he scored some lacrosse-style goals. He had that play where he passed the puck from behind the net over the net to his teammate, and his teammate scored a goal. Zegers, here he can Oh, look at this! Oh, he just, it's in! Oh, my goodness! What a goal! The magic of Trevor Zegers! We got to watch this one again. Wow. It was ridiculous. I, I did not know that that was allowed, that that was even <laughs> possible by, by physics. He's behind the net. It looks like he's going for the old Michigan. He brings it up. He shoots it in front. Oh, it's what Milano. a pass to Milano. Wow. It was insane. And EA Sports actually adopted that play and put it in the game because Zegris basically invented it. Mm. So what I'm intrigued by is what season two of the Trevor Zegris show looks like. What is he going to do? Uh, inspired, no, no doubt, by TikTok or YouTube kids making these shots in their driveways. Side of the net, and Zegers that time trying to go between his legs, and they score. Oh, my. That is gross. That is absolutely gross. Just throws it top corner, the lacrosse goal once again. What is he going to do during a game that makes all the traditionalists gasp and say, you shouldn't be able to do that in an NHL game. Wait, wait, hold, hold on. Are, are there actually people who are mad that this kid is doing stuff like this? Dude, there definitely are. Our old friend John Tortorella, late of ESPN, now head coach of the Philadelphia Flyers, yes. evoked the idea of disrespect for some of the things that Zegers does on the ice. There's always <laughs> this traditionalist thrust in the NHL where anytime somebody does something really cool, like spinoramas in the shootout or the stuff Zegers does or lacrosse-style goals, there's a sense of like, you shouldn't do that. You're embarrassing your opponent. What I'm hoping is that the NHL doesn't side with the old schoolers. Like right. there's going to be something that Zegers does at some point where the NHL is either going to like ban the move or it's going to grab its skateboard, turn its hat backwards and say, hello, oh, fellow no. Gen Zers. Oh, and then no. allow, maybe, yeah, maybe the, they uh, tweak the rules to allow more stuff. Let Zegers play the puck off the netting in the back. Let him cook. Yeah, I see. I was all in on Zegris as just this countercultural figure. But now I'm genuinely worried about John Tortorella. I'm worried about torts like trying to hit the gritty. <laughs> um, I, I, I feel like that might be actually worse than than. And by the way, that's the gritty, the dance, not hitting gritty. Yeah. The mascot, which I imagine he also wants to do. I, well, I will say he is now in Philadelphia. So the idea that a gritty will be hit, I think the odds have increased exponentially. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing we talked about last season, Greg, I do want to revive a conversation that I found fascinating because I'm not sure where we are on it now. But the Arizona Coyotes, speaking of the general youth movement, we're now both decrying and celebrating. What's going on with them in ASU? 
So the Arizona Coyotes were, for lack of a better term, evicted from their arena in Glendale. The city of Glendale <laughs> finally decided not to extend their lease. So the Coyotes needed a place to play while trying to get an arena project in Tempe done. By the way, we'll find out the results of that bid this fall. So as they're biding their time, they signed a three-year contract with an option for a fourth year to play in a new on-campus arena at Arizona State University that they'll share with the Sun Devil men's hockey team. <laughs> so already, already, obviously, this is a screenplay that should be written by you already. Well, I'm working on it and I'm shopping it around. I believe it's on the blacklist right now. But here's the thing. It has a 5,000-seat <laughs> capacity. They'll have less than that for hockey each game. The arena is incredibly named the Mullet Arena. <laughs> Oh, my God. Mullet, apparently, was the name of a family that's been very influential in backing the ASU Division One NCAA men's hockey program. No, this is where me, as a Hollywood producer, says, uh, Wyshynski, a little on the nose. That'll be <laughs> one of my notes for this script. Like, really? The Mullet Arena? You think it's on the nose to have an announcer go, tonight, there's hockey at the Mullet. Yeah, it kind of is. But so, here's the thing about the Coyotes playing in Mullet Arena on the campus of ASU. A lot of people think it's an absolute joke, but I do think that there is a lane that the Coyotes could find to become kind of endearing. Like, obviously, we all think they're going to stink. They're designed roster-wise to be as terrible as they can because there is a generational talent named Connor Bedard in the draft next summer mm. that everybody wants to get to turn their franchise's fortunes around. But imagine the enthusiasm uh, an arena of of less than 5,000 fans could generate for an NHL team. Like the environment, the atmosphere is going to be like something we've never seen in the NHL. Right. And there's a chance, Pablo, a chance that the rest of the league could get caught up in that enthusiasm if the Coyotes are, have even a scintilla of competitiveness to kind of root for this team to do well in what could be a real raucous party atmosphere. Again, it's ASU. You know it's going to be a party. Yeah, I just feel like this is going to be the drunkest possible atmosphere in professional sports history, Greg. I feel like I'm not going out on that much of a limb to say that. I don't think you are either. And, and here's the thing about Arizona sports. If anyone watched the recent Cardinals-Eagles game, they know what I'm talking about. People travel to Arizona to watch their teams. It's been the same situation with the Coyotes over the years where Canadians have found that it is actually cheaper to fly down to the States, buy a hockey ticket in Arizona than it is to try to buy a hockey ticket for one of their Canadian teams. So they'll come down to watch their teams play the Coyotes. <laughs> can you Arbitrage. Can you imagine a college hockey arena that's like 50% Canadian fans that are just down there to party and watch their team? Oh my God. Dude, it's going to be an amazing atmosphere as long as every game isn't like 7 nothing for the opponents. Yeah, my main problem now is just clearly that Mullet Arena is also a party in the front. <laughs> so at the very end here, Greg, give me a pick. Give me a pick of who is going to be bench pressing the Stanley Cup when all is said and done. Well, I do have the hipster Carolina Hurricanes finally breaking through and playing for the Cup. Mm. And on the other side, in the Western Conference, I have superstars McDavid and Dreisaitl dragging their team, the Edmonton Oilers, to the Stanley Cup Final. Now, this is the matchup that we had in 2006. The Hurricanes were victorious then. The Oilers are going to flip the script. They're going to win the Stanley Cup. It's going to be the first mm. Stanley Cup championship for a Canadian team since 1993, which if you know me, 
there is a downside to this prediction because it's been a great run for your boy. But yeah, I think I think it's time for the Oilers. I think it's time we see two-star players make magic happen. There's nobody in this league on the level of what McDavid and Dreisaitl can do when they are both on their game. And if Dreisaitl's healthy this time, and he wasn't last playoff, but if he's healthy this time, I think it could be the Oilers' year to finally break through and win. Yeah, Greg, people should appreciate that you are... Um... You are an America first jingoistic hockey analyst. That's what you have been revealing for years. And finally, you've decided to succumb to uh, pluralism. Yeah, that's exactly right. Obviously, I would prefer the Columbus Blue Jackets or any rock-ribbed American team to win the cup over Canadian team. But this is my selection. (laughs) Is it going to be correct? Okay, there wasn't a Stanley Cup parade on Long Island for the Islanders. No. Two years ago, there wasn't a Stanley Cup parade in Toronto for the Maple Leafs. No. So I've been trying to tell my Oilers friends not to get so excited about Greg Wyshynski picking the Edmonton Oilers to win the Cup. It is kind of a kiss of death. But if I am correct, Pablo, then I am a prognostication genius. (laughs) Greg Wyshynski, a true hockey hipster. Thank you for being all business, as always on ESPN Daily. My pleasure. For more Greg, by the way, you can catch him and Arda Ocal on a live edition of The Drop Tuesday night at 7 p.m. Eastern on ESPN Plus and all streaming platforms. And then you can watch the weekly video podcast version of The Drop every Thursday on the NHL on ESPN YouTube channel. I'm Pablo Torre, and this has been ESPN Daily. I'll talk to you tomorrow.